Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I am so excited to be with you guys this morning, and uh, I am pumped up about the sermon. Are you pumped up? All right, come on. And uh, just believe that the Lord wants to uh, speak to us this morning and uh, that he's got a word for us. So uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Raise your hand if you were at the kids uh, retreat this, some, this past weekend. Okay, awesome. And the, all the kids, like 90 of them. All right, over there. I just heard some awesome testimonies of like uh, kids that are like five and six years old hearing the voice of God for the first time. I'm like, what a beautiful thing. How, how much more secure, you know, we would be if we grew up in that type of environment, just hearing the voice of the Lord. I love it. So love our kids team. Thank you guys so much for putting on an amazing retreat. I want to introduce you real quick uh, to my family here. Uh, first off, my wonderful wife and I, Charlotte, there we are. Uh, <laughs> Had the chance to go to Montana this summer. It's beautiful. Uh, Charlotte had a conference there. And man, I just love doing life with you. You're my best friend, and it's the joy of my life. Uh, you push me and you challenge me uh, to pursue Jesus more uh, every single day. Uh, also want to introduce you to my kids. Uh, here they are. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so we are not pregnant. That's not my announcement. Uh, but uh, here they are. Uh, this is some of our college students, our college volunteers uh, from last year. And man, I just want to say our college students are on fire for God. Uh, and it is awesome. And uh, I literally, I hear testimonies all the time when I'm at TCU and different college campuses of hearing how God's using our college students to rock that campus uh, for Jesus. And that's what we want to be about. We want to be about uh, college students finding a personal relationship uh, with the Lord and that that would set them up to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. Uh, so I just want to invite the church to pray for our college ministry, pray for the kingdom of God uh, to be coming at TCU right now. If you know anything about college campuses, man, the need for Jesus is not decreasing uh, with time, but it is increasing. So we'd love for you to uh, join us in praying. Uh, I also want to honor real quick, I've got my in-laws and my parents uh, that are here with me this morning. And, uh, you know, it, it says in Scripture, when you train up a child in the ways of the Lord, that they won't depart from it when they get older. Uh, and I just want to say that I am personally uh, living proof that prayer and raising your children in the way of the Lord matters so much. And I have been beyond blessed to have two parents uh, for me that did that. Uh, literally, when I was in the womb, I remember they told me they used to lay hands on my mom's stomach and say, Lord, would this be a man that's after your own heart? Uh, and it just matters. It matters. So if you're a parent in the room, I just want to say, uh, man, even if your kids are struggling, it matters. And Jesus sees and he knows uh, and he's faithful uh, to meet us there all along the way. So... All right, well, uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5. Uh, this morning, we are going to be camping out there. I'm going to be going kind of verse by verse through this uh, passage this morning. Uh, Jamie asked me uh, about 
Two months ago, he said, hey, Ben, would you be up for preaching the Beatitudes, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount? And when he said that, I was immediately like, yes, I would love to. You know, that's an easy passage. Like, that's, that's the one I grew up with in Sunday school. You know, we all, we know the Beatitudes. Like, this is going to go well. It took me about 10 minutes to get into it to realize, oh, my goodness, uh, this is eight sermons in uh, one, all right? And so we are going to do a flyover this morning, uh, and my hope is not to answer every question that there is uh, related to this passage, but my hope is to create some inspiration this morning, to encourage you that God uniquely wants to speak to you through these Beatitudes, all right? So the main thing here this morning is this. Jesus is inviting us to usher in a brand new kingdom by redefining happiness. Everybody say happiness. happiness. Through the eight heart attitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount. All right. So I want to say just a few things about the Beatitudes to just lay the uh, foundation for us. And the first thing is that that word Beatitude, it means happy or blessed. Happy or blessed. And, you know, what Jesus is doing here in this passage is he's basically stepping in and he's trying to say, I want to give you a brand new definition of happiness. That there is a world out there 2,000 years ago and today that would say happiness looks like blank. Happiness means, like Brian said, you have that car. Happiness means that you have that house, whatever it may be. And Jesus is ushering in a new definition of happiness and therefore a new kingdom in the Beatitudes. Because in the time of Jesus, there were a lot of different definitions of what happiness meant. There were actually four different major Jewish, that is not how you say that, Jewish <laughs> groups that would have been listening to the Beatitudes. The four groups were the Essenes, Zealots, Sadducees, and Pharisees. The Essenes believed that happiness came from going out of society and just eliminating yourself from everyone else. The Zealots believed that happiness came from having power and overthrowing the government, and that's why they were constantly at war. The Pharisees believed that happiness came from following tradition and following the law to a T. And the Sadducees believed that there was no action, there was no consequences for their actions, so therefore you could really just do whatever you wanted to. So it's with this context, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, that there's probably a few thousand people gathered and every single one of these Jewish sects are, are, are probably represented uh, here in this moment. And Jesus steps in and he says, happiness is not what you think it was. Happiness looks completely different. And that's where we pick up here in Matthew 5, verses 1 through, two, 1 through 12. We're going to read it here. It says this in verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. So here we go. I'm going to run through the eight Beatitudes in the next 25 minutes. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. Put your seatbelt on. Number one, okay? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when I read this first, I immediately went to the idea of finances, like blessed are those who are poor, those who don't have much, all right? But that's not the context of this. In in Jesus's day, a lot of the people who would have been listening uh, to this beatitude had few possessions and little power. He's not referring to a financial status. He's referring to a spiritual need when he talks about being poor in spirit. He's talking about the spiritual bankruptcy that each one of us experience because of the result of sin in our lives. But guess what? Uh, There's really good news (laughs) because Jesus has come to be the answer. And when Jesus steps in and he takes our sin and he takes our our shame on himself and he dies with it and he raises back to life and he defeats it once and for all. He now looks at us and he says, you're the richest person of all people in the world because you have been given the greatest gift of all, which is salvation, (laughs) which is a personal, intimate relationship with God that whether it's here or on this earth, you don't live for this time. You're going to live for eternity. You're going to be with Jesus forever, and that is the greatest news that we could ever experience or walk in in our lives. You know, I love salvation uh, for a lot of reasons, Uh, but one of the reasons I love it is when other people come into it and the light bulb comes on, (laughs) And, and they realize that they were once walking in darkness, but now they're walking in light. They're experiencing freedom for the first time in their lives. I remember when uh, some of our students were in Mexico about six years ago, and we had done our drama presentation sharing the gospel, and there was a big group, and I saw this one guy, and he just had this huge smile on his face. I'm like, that's the guy I'm going to talk to. You know, I want Smiley, all right? And I walked up to Smiley. That wasn't his name. And, uh, and I, I just said, hey, what's going on? And he said, well, as I was watching the drama, he said, earlier in the week, I've had two other people come up to me and share Jesus with me that were not a part of our team. And he said, when I saw the drama, it clicked inside of me. And he said, I realized that of all the needs I have, that Jesus Christ is the only one that I really need. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And, you know, he's like, well, how do, I, how do I know him? And we prayed right there for him to receive Jesus. I mean, he was grinning. The grin got like out of his face. I mean, it was like <laughs> massive. 
Because that's what happens when we come into the simple revelation that Jesus Christ is the answer for every need that we could possibly have and the spiritual bankruptcy that, that is in our lives, all right? So that's number one. Blessed, happy are the poor in spirit. Number two is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus was so good at mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. One of my favorite passages in John 11, when Lazarus, who's actually referred to as Jesus's friend, has died, and Jesus shows up on the scene. And we're just going to read two verses, uh, John 11, verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and spirit and troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they answered. And then we have the shortest verse in the Bible. It's two words. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I just want to encourage us this morning that if Jesus wept, he can relate to you in your weeping. <laughs> he can draw near to you in your pain. He can come close when you're suffering. Because he experienced every type of emotion, he's really good <laughs> at being a comforter. I remember about four years ago in my own life, I just felt like I was walking through kind of a, an emotionally low season. And I was trying to figure out a, a way out. And uh, some of you in this room, you, you walked with me through that season. And I remember one day I, I went into the prayer room. Can I just say um, great things happen in the prayer room? Uh, and the code is 98543. All right. So if you want to go in there. But I walked in there, and I just said, Jesus, I, I just need you. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I just need you, Jesus. What's going on? And I, I felt like the Lord so gently spoke to me and said, Ben, the darkness that you feel is not the darkness of the enemy. The darkness that you feel is actually the shadow of my wing. And I'm covering you. And I'm coming close right now. And I felt like he said, I don't want to pull you up and out yet because I want you to know, to know, to know that I am where your help comes from. And the tears begin to flow. <laughs> As I realized that in the end, the greatest need that I had was not actually that particular thing being fixed in the moment. The greatest need I had was to know that Jesus was close. And when he's in the boat with you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you because he's the comforter and he draws near to those who mourn. I, uh, where's Laura Albright? There she is. Y'all just give it up for Laura Albright. <laughs> Laura is our pastoral care uh, director and I remember a, a couple of years ago asking Laura, I said, Laura, um, what do you do? Like, what does it mean to like mourn with those who mourn? Uh, because I was not good at it. I'm, I'm Mr. Fix-It. Any Mr. Fix-Its or Mrs. Fix-Its? Okay, great. Um, and she said, well, Ben, something that I've learned is something that's called the ministry of presence. 
I said, what's the ministry of presence? She said, well, what it means is that you just come close to somebody and you're willing to be with them and what they're going through. And I remember her uh, saying that to me. I was like, oh, light bulb moment. That's a great idea. What I love about that is it, it wasn't the ministry of I'm going to make this better right now. Yes, we want to believe for healing and pray for healing and believe that God wants to do that, and he does do that, and he's still doing that, and I could go, okay, all right. Uh, but she said, sometimes people just need you to be near to them. Is there someone in your own midst right now where the ministry of presence is maybe what they need more than anything else? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Number three, here we go. You can put a smile on. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. He comforts us, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Number three, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I want to say here, meekness does not mean weakness. Right? Moses was actually called the meekest of all men. And last time I checked, the guy who led all of Israel out of captivity and threw down the most oppressive regime of all time in Pharaoh was not a weak person. <laughs> so meekness is not weakness. What meekness is, is this wonderful Greek word called praeus. Praeus. Praeus means to have a gentle, mild, and humble spirit. Gentle, mild, humble spirit. Um, I think it's safe to say we need more gentleness, mildness, and humbleness of spirit <laughs> today, right? Just imagine how our own body, our own life groups would look different when we walk around with a gentle, mild, humble nature about us. It's so, so powerful. You know, uh, meekness does also not mean that you don't admit that you have a need. If you, if, if you have a need, it's good to share that. It, it's good to express that. It just means that you are running to Jesus first to get your needs met. And out of the overflow of that, you have something to give away <laughs> to other people. And you can defer to someone else's needs because your Savior is meeting your needs <laughs> and providing for you. So I love the 30 for, 30 for challenge. For me, the 30 for 30 challenge has been waking up and going, Jesus, you meet my need. <laughs> and whatever I face today, you fill me up. You've got me. You take care of me. You provide for me. I love it when people meet other people's needs. About two months ago, I was praying about where we were going to do our college services for this upcoming year. And I felt like God led us to a coffee shop that was near TCU's campus. So I emailed the owner, and the owner said, yes, uh, sounds great. We'd love for you to come to our space. And uh, about a week before school started, the owner emailed me back and said, I'm so sorry, we're going actually out of business, but the new owner is copied on this email. You're welcome to talk to her. And I thought, thank you so much. You know, that is great. Uh, we will be having college service in the parking lot. You know, I, I don't know, you know, but... Uh, and so I emailed that other person. I said, hey, can we meet? I go into the coffee shop. We sit down. And she says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you say anything, I have something to say. I'm like, okay. This is odd, you know. She said, um, I just want you to know that I already know who you guys are as Antioch. 
I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my daughter went to Baylor. She was involved at Antioch. And before you even ask me, my answer is yes, because I want the presence of God to be in my coffee shop. So it gets a little better. I said, well, um, I just want to be sure that we pay you for the, the place. And um, did the previous owner transfer you the money? And she said, no, he hasn't done that yet. And I said, well, I'll be sure to, to do that because I want to be sure we pay you. And she looks back at me and she says, I don't want you to say anything else. I'm learning. Don't talk. All right. That's what I'm, I'm figuring out from this conversation. All right. And uh, she says, God's been taking me on a journey of discovering that he's the one that meets my needs and that when I choose to help meet other people's needs, he provides. So why don't you not pay me this semester and we'll just believe that God will provide. Woo! You know, I, amen. Hallelujah. You know, and the presence of God came and I was worshiping, you know, down on my face. It gets better. Two weeks ago, I'm in the coffee shop, and she sees me come in, the owner, and she beelines for me, and I'm drinking my uh, uh, water. I don't <laughs> drink coffee. And uh, she says, Ben, you're never going to believe this. I said, what? She said, well, after we met, I went to the owner of the whole building to make sure that it would be okay that we had a worship service in our building. His response to me was, not only is it okay, but... I would like to take off money on your rent this month because I want the presence of God to be in my building. <laughs> the amount of money that he gave her was the exact amount of money that I paid for the rent that she didn't get. When we defer to the needs of others in God's economy, he has a supernatural way of using us to bless other people. It's beyond what we can imagine. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I was drawn to that word hunger, just thinking about in and out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Just, okay, just real quick. Just, can we just settle this? Waterburger, raise your hand. In and out. Wow. That is dangerous. That's a hot take. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Unity, unity in the spirit. Unity, unity. We love each other. We'll talk about that in a second. All right. So... I thought about how, you know, physically we hunger, you know, we, 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 need, we need nourishment. And about 5.30, I'm, my stomach might be growling a little bit. Can I just say the same thing that's going on in your stomach is the same thing that's going on in your spirit. It's the same thing that's going on in your soul day after day after day where your soul's going, I need Jesus. I need him and him alone. I need things that are going to satisfy me. I need things that are going to... Can I just say, guys, Jesus satisfies every craving and every longing that you have ever had. The world offers a party that it cannot throw and it cannot follow up. Jesus offers a party that's eternal. 
and lasts forever. And he wants to meet your needs. And when we hunger and thirst for him, we get satisfied like nothing else. I love when Jesus walks up to the woman at the well in John 4, verse 13. He says this, I know you've heard it. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's a lot of cups that are available for us. And yet Jesus says there's one cup. There's one cup. There's a lot of complicated things in the world, but there's one cup. (laughs) And it's him and him alone. Now, you've been wondering, probably, what in the world is this, right? I don't have boxes, and I usually have boxes, so I'm a little insecure, all right, this morning with this, okay? But when it comes to hungering and and thirsting for, for righteousness, if you're anything like me, that's a daily opportunity, we'll say. That, that's not just something that naturally happens. And so Jesus is saying, the cup that I want to give you is a cup that is pure and that will always satisfy you and will never run out. It's pure. It, it, it allows your mind to be clean. It allows your heart to be clean. I am that cup. Come to me. Draw from me. Drink this water. But I'm just going to give a few examples uh, from my own life, all right? And we'll just say these are hypotheticals, okay? So, you know, maybe I'm on the golf course, and, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've made back-to-back double bogeys, okay? That's not good, all right? The second double bogey causes me to uh, take my putter and just gently, gently <laughs> toss it across the green, Okay? Jamie is on the other side of the green, and he's smiling at me, all right, going, "Eh, maybe something's going on on the inside, okay, all right? So things get tainted just a little bit, all right? Uh, Or maybe my wife uh, comes home, and uh, she's about to cook a meal for us, and she says, hey, Ben, uh, can you cook the chicken? Can you grill it? And, uh, you know, my answer is... uh, I would love to, but can you hang on just a second? Because uh, my fantasy lineup uh, is coming up this week, and I want to beat Micah uh, in, in fantasy. And so uh, just hang on a sec. You know, I got to get my QB and my running back in the right order, all right? Uh, just eventually, I'll get to it, okay? So my opportunity to serve and love my wife gets a little tainted, okay? Uh, maybe a coworker at work. You're in line to get a promotion, and they actually get it before you. And before you know it, just a little bit of bitterness starts to rise up in your heart, but you don't address it, and so then it just begins to grow some more. Or maybe a roommate uh, left the dishes in the sink for a fifth time. And instead of having a conversation with them, you give them what we like to call the silent treatment. And we all know how great the silent treatment works, right? And so things just get a little bit tainted. And so before you know it, it just becomes harder to hunger and thirst for for things that are pure. But guess what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I have authority to choose differently. You and I have authority to hunger and thirst 
for the one thing that we need, which is Jesus. And so when I'm on the golf course, I make the second double bogey and I begin to praise God that I am outside and I'm hanging out with Jamie Miller and it's a beautiful day. It's 99 uh, and it's, it's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm playing the, game, the greatest game ever played. All right, so I, I am passionate about golf. All right, so here we go. Uh, and then maybe when my wife asks me, I just gently say, hey, yes, actually, I would love to do that. My fantasy football uh, league can wait, and, you know, God's going to provide. All right, no, I'm just kidding, okay? But, uh, but it can wait. And when the coworker gets the promotion instead of me, I actually go in the next day, I respond in the opposite spirit, and I bless that person, and I congratulate them on the promotion that they received. And when the roommate, you know, leaves things out in the dishwasher, I go up to them, and I have a healthy conversation with them about that because I'm a good communicator and I want to uh, sow into righteousness uh, in our relationship. And all of a sudden, the water that I was once swimming in that was tainted becomes pure because that's what begins to happen when we sow into righteousness. We see things more clearly. Our heart becomes more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we're able to respond just like Jesus in a world that desperately needs an understanding of what rightness really looks like. Can I just say, righteousness is simply coming into right standing with God. And we need that in our world today. All right, guys, Jesus is your baking soda, okay? <laughs> And I'm not a baker, but I'm pretty sure when the baking soda works its way through, it makes it taste better, okay? And just forget that metaphor. All right, so <laughs> Jesus is your baking soda, okay. Everybody say five. five. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Does anyone need some more mercy in their life <laughs> today? I've got some good news. There's a never-ending source of mercy. You know why Jesus' mercy never runs out? Because he is mercy. And he can't stop being himself. <laughs> that's who he is. And that's good news. Because we live in a world today where it's possible to extend mercy and not receive it back. If you just exist for a little while, you know, you'll see that. I love what... Lamentations 3.22 says, it says, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You know what God was speaking over you when you woke up this morning? Mercy. You know what God was speaking over you when you missed it with your kid and you responded in the way that you just didn't exactly want to? Mercy. You know what God's speaking over you when you missed it on a test or you, you know, didn't get the grade you wanted to? Mercy. Whatever you are going through, time and time again, God is saying, mercy, mercy, mercy. It's surrounding us wherever we go. And I love that it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So you know what happens when you show mercy? You get more back. <laughs> when you show mercy, Jesus puts more into your account so that you have more to give away, and it just becomes this beautiful cycle of grace. <laughs> where the mercy of God is flowing in you and through you. You say, what does it mean to show mercy practically? Well, mercy comes from the Greek word elios, 
which means to compassionate. Compassionate. In English, we have the noun compassion. But in the Greek, there's a verb, compassionate. So how do you show mercy? You compassionate everything around you. And the good news is, guys, that Jesus didn't just show us compassion. He compassionated us. He, he put compassion into action. So where around you is the Lord encouraging you and inviting you to release compassion so that others might experience the mercy of God? I know that's high level up here, but not high in like that it's complicated, but it's not. It's, but may the Holy Spirit speak to you about what it means for you to be a compassionate person in this season of your life. Number six, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. To be pure in heart means to have the inside clean. To have the inside clean. Micah uh, told me one time, he said, Ben, the unseen always shapes the scene. Can I just say, whatever is going on behind closed doors in my life usually has a big impact on the way I'm living when I'm not behind closed doors <laughs> and when I'm in front of other people. And God wants to meet us in the secret place so then we are able to be pure in heart. Now, there are so many things that I could talk about with having a pure heart. Uh, I'm super, super passionate about this and would love to go to lunch with you after service, all right, to talk about this. But one thing I want to say on being pure in heart that I think Lord's, the Lord is teaching me in this season is very simply the power of vulnerability, the, the power of living in the light. Scripture says that when we bring things into the light before our brothers and sisters, it's there that the blood of Jesus purifies us. There's so much power when we express and we, we bring things into the light. If Jesus said, in my weakness, he is strong, how can I possibly experience the fullness of the strength of God if I never admit my weakness? to other people that's where it's perfected is when we're willing to be open and in the light with our brothers and sisters now that's not with everybody but that's with people we trust that are in our life group that are in our discipleship group that are here on sunday morning can i just say you know what ministry time is for us it's a place for the imperfect to be made perfect by the blood of jesus when people come with their needs and they express hey this is something that i need it's a safe place hey if you have never received prayer before on a sunday morning I just want to encourage you, today's your Sunday. This is a great day to be open with whatever's going on uh, in your world. Our staff right now is going through an awesome book uh, called Lead by a guy named Paul David Tripp. And uh, this book is examining the power of vulnerability. And he's actually looking at, and he's not being critical of it at all, but he's looking at some of the big name pastors in the body of Christ who, who have stumbled recently. Everybody's human. And what he found is that the, the biggest factor in that taking place was not their charisma or their anointing as a leader. It was their ability to have a safe place to share what was going on in their own life. David, uh, Paul David Tripp says this, about vulnerability. He says, an isolated, independent, separated, and self-hiding Christian life 
is alien to the Christianity of the New Testament. All of us, everybody say all, (laughs) need partners in struggles and people to help us see what we cannot see on our own. Jesus consistently, lovingly calls us out of darkness, not because we don't have things to hide, but because grace means we no longer have to hide them anymore. So good. The grace of God means that you don't have to hide things anymore. So is there something in your own world that God might be speaking about to share with somebody? Can I just say, it is not weak to receive prayer. (laughs) You're actually strong. (laughs) It's not immature. You're actually mature in admitting your need. So blessed are the pure in heart. And then the promise is they'll see God. (laughs) That when we expose things in the light, God has a way of enabling us to see him more clearly. Number seven, I think. I can't count to eight, all right? Seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, I was thinking about uh, this one and was realizing, you know, that I'm, I'm pretty okay at keeping the peace. Anybody good at keeping peace? You know, like, hey, whoa, 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 you know, we're going to guard it. We're going to keep the peace, okay? We're not going to go there. We're going to guard the peace, all right? I'm pretty okay at that. I'm not as good at making the peace, <laughs> at, at releasing the peace. Because, you know, peacekeepers avoid conflict, but uh, peacemakers resolve it. They solve it. Um, having peace is a desire. Making peace is a decision. That by God's loving grace, I have the opportunity to do every day <laughs> in making peace. So you say, how, how, do, how do I make peace? What does that mean? Well, James 3.18, I think, helps to answer that question. And it says this, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you say, how do you make peace? You sow righteousness into whatever you're facing. (laughs) You, you, You sow the kingdom of God into that relationship, into that situation. Uh, tempted to criticize, you sow blessing <laughs> and you respond in the opposite spirit. Uh, tempted to judge, you sow love and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you along the way. You sow righteousness and that's when the peace of God <laughs> gets released among us. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So good. Of all the ways that Jesus could describe children of God, he says it's the peacemakers that are called children of God. Wow, it's awesome. I get excited. You may not. Okay, all right. Last one here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. For theirs is the kingdom. I think Jesus does something in this beatitude that he doesn't do in any of the other beatitudes. I I think this one really stands out from everything else. And I think this one is a buildup from the other seven. And I think what Jesus is trying to communicate here is he's trying to say that when you live your life 
by going low. When you live your life by sowing righteousness, when, when your life looks more like the kingdom of God, don't be surprised if you face opposition for living your life in that way. Don't be surprised if the world does not openly embrace and, and love the way that you are choosing to live. But Jesus steps in and he says, man, blessed are you. <laughs> Happy are you. Because you have an eternal happiness. You have an eternal treasure. You have something that is not fleeting, but something that's going to last forever in me. You who fight for intimacy with me, yours is the kingdom. <laughs> you who go low, yours is the kingdom. You who have purity of heart, yours is the kingdom. I think Jesus is trying to encourage us and say, I want my people to look different. <laughs> I want my people to not look like what the world says is normal. One of the most powerful things that we can do as followers of Christ is to not let the world tell us what's normal, but to flip it on its head and say, man, Jesus, your kingdom is better. Your kingdom is better. And as we yearn for you, as we long for you, as we burn for you, both personally and corporately together, guess what? People are going to be drawn to that way of living. People are going to be drawn into that. Jesus is saying, blessed are you. Every little place of righteousness that you choose, every little place where you choose to walk in the spirit instead of the flesh, yours is the kingdom and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and can I just say man when I make little bitty decisions in my own life that are sowing into righteousness it actually becomes easier to sow into righteousness again <laughs> because righteousness builds on itself <laughs> when we're walking closely with the Lord all right I'm going to invite you to be standing uh, right where you're at going to invite our worship team to come forward covered a lot of ground here in looking at these eight different beatitudes. But I wonder for you just what's, what's the one that God might be speaking to you about this morning? When you think about those different ones that are mentioned, which one do you feel like the Lord is highlighting to you? I'm just going to read these over one more time for us. I just want to invite you to close your eyes, just right where you're at. Jesus speaking to us, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we hear you this morning just calling out to each one of us. 
saying happy are those who, who live their lives in this way. And Jesus, I just thank you this morning that this is not about doing more. <laughs> this is not about performing in a certain way, God, so that we can receive your affirmation. I thank you, God, that we have received it in fullness. And I pray this morning for a revelation deep down in our souls that you have been every single one of these things to us. And that's what empowers us to give it to others. And so you might be on either side of that coin this morning. You, you might say, hey, I need one of these attributes in my own life. I, I personally, I need Jesus to remind me that this is who he is. And if you want to receive prayer for that, we've got some prayer leaders this morning. You also may feel like the Lord is nudging on your heart just a, a way where he wants to model. He wants you to model one of these attributes to other people. And maybe you want to receive prayer that that, that would be released this morning. But whatever it is, we're going to take a few moments here, respond in prayer and worship. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.